2: Welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. James Blend is producing Clark Hilton Engineering, and Dan Rice has given up the use of his office for the sake of the cause. Today, we're going to take a look at some of the headline news and the lighter side of the news. And in the second hour of today's program, we'll hear from the Christian Outlook. Eric Metaxas and Os Guinness are going to talk about the pandemic, the violent unrest, protests, the election cycle the revealed tensions in our nation and ask questions about the effort to remove God and upend the the American experiment. We'll hear from Dr. Albert Moeller as he talks about the U.S. Supreme Court agreeing to hear a case that could redefine Roe versus Wade. And Don Crow and Cliff May of the Foundation for the Defense of of Democracies they are going to talk about the changes here in the U.S., a nation that used to be Israel's most dependable ally. That certainly is changing. That's coming up in the second hour as part of the Christian Outlook. Also, I should mention James Blend will join me for the second half of the first hour as we take a look at the lighter side of the news. But first, the headlines. President Biden uh, is crediting himself and his administration for the Israel-Hamas ceasefire, downplaying the role that Egypt played as the actual Um, state that's responsible for that ceasefire. President Biden, he sought to take credit for that um, event Thursday between Israel and Hamas, uh, despite reports that it was Egypt that brokered that peace. Biden, who spoke at the White House, included a sentence in his remarks commending Egyptian officials for their critical role in ending the fighting. But he repeatedly emphasized the intensive work that he said was done on his part by his administration. Hmm. Well, over the last 11 days, I spoke with the prime minister six times. I've also spoken with President Abbas and the Palestinian Authority more than once and part of our intense diplomatic engagement, he said. And I want to also thank Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense, our national security advisor and everyone on our team for their incredible efforts to bring this about. This outcome that we're about to see. You know, we've held intensive high level discussions hour by hour, literally Egypt, the Palestinian Authority and other Middle Eastern countries with an aim to avoiding this sort of prolonged conflict we've seen in previous years when the hostilities have broken out. End quote. So according to President Biden, it was his administration that brokered the deal. According to the rest of the world, it was, in fact, Egypt. In other developments, ABC's World News Tonight is suggesting President Biden brokered the ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, failing to credit Egypt as well. But that's how the media works in the U.S. Democrat-leaning progressive groups are lining up with Palestinians and against Israel as the conflict raged. It's now um, in the ceasefire phase. The question is, will it hold? Meanwhile, American Jews are on edge over a wave of anti-Semitism from New York rather to California to Illinois and Utah. The recent conflict between Israel and Gaza has generated a disturbing backlash against American Jews who found themselves uh, the targets of death threats, hate speech, and violent physical attacks. I suppose we shouldn't be surprised. That's sort of the way things are done in this country these days. Stop telling me this is about Israel and Gaza said a New Yorker who was confronted by a pro-Palestinian mob on his way to synagogue this week. My people are being targeted across the United States in broad daylight. This is textbook anti-Semitism, and we will continue to live in danger until the public starts to recognize it for what it is, end quote. Well, his remarks were a common refrain rippling across the U.S., Jewish communities in recent days. Here's a look at some of the recent incidents throughout the country. Troubling footage emerged late Thursday showing pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian Palestinian protesters they were clashing on a Midtown Manhattan sidewalk despite Israel and Gaza having reached a ceasefire agreement earlier in the day apparently no ceasefire agreement has been reached here in the US police confirmed that two commercial fireworks were thrown from a car and one person suffered minor burns in Los Angeles pro-Palestinian demonstrators Uh, Hopping out of their vehicles past a Beverly Grove restaurant on Tuesday and began singling out and attacking Jewish diners in a violent brawl that was caught by a bystander on the phone. Video shows members of a car caravan flying Palestinian flags while driving by the sushi restaurant's outdoor dining uh, section while reportedly chanting death to Jews. Now, the question is, are we going to tolerate that here in the United States? The answer should be a resounding and profound no, but I fear that will not be the message ultimately heard because this will be permitted to continue. In other developments, an L.A. Jewish man was chased by two vehicles waving Palestinian flags as they yelled, "Allahu Akbar. A pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian protesters clashed in New York City. One was burned by fireworks that were thrown from a car. The Associated Press fired a reporter after pro-Palestinian social media posts uh, from college went viral. The reporter, who was just hired by the Associated Press last month, is now out of a job after pro-Palestinian social media posts she had written during college Went viral. Well, AP News associate Emily Wilder, who graduated from Stanford University in 2020 and had worked in the Arizona Republic, uh, was the target of backlash after Stanford College Republicans drew attention to her activism on Twitter, referring to her as an anti-Israel agitator for protesting birthright, a Jewish student travel program to Israel. Wilder called the program nothing more than ethnic nationalist propaganda and accused Israel of engaging in the ethnic cleansing and displacement of Palestinians in Palestine. Wilder, who is Jewish and was a member of the pro-Palestinian group's Jewish Voice for Peace and Students for Justice in Palestine, also referred to late Jewish donor Sheldon Adelson as a naked mole rat looking uh, billionaire. The Associated Press confirmed on Thursday that Wilder no longer worked for the news agency and told other outlets that her termination was due to the AP's social media policy. In other developments, Netanyahu calls out the AP after claiming they weren't warned about the Israeli airstrike. Apparently, AP shared a site, a business site, with Hamas. AP is being torched for claiming that they were unaware of the Hamas Intel operation in their building, which many find difficult to believe. Netflix CEO has donated three million dollars to defend Gavin Newsom against the recall effort. And Uber and Lyft get EV mandate from California. Congress has set a date for a colonial pipeline cyber attack hearing, and a small business advocacy group has launched a survival campaign. The IRS says Cryptocurrency transfers over $10,000 need to be reported, and Treasury is targeting wealthy tax cheats with an enforcement plan that could raise $700 billion. Well, as I mentioned, a ceasefire has been reached between Israel and Hamas. The question is will it last? Katie Pavlich speculates the Israeli government and Hamas have agreed to a ceasefire after 11 days of the Iranian-backed terrorist organization, launching more than 400 rockets at civilian targets inside the country. In response, the Israeli defense forces have carried out a number of military operations and airstrikes targeting Hamas leaders inside the Gaza Strip. New York Times writes that with a ceasefire between Israel and the Palestinian militants on the horizon, the Biden administration is now turning to how it can help rebuild the besie Gaza Strip, and in turn bring pressure through promises of financial support on Hamas not to resume fighting. And Dennis Ross, writing for the Jerusalem Post, a longtime negotiator in the region says so long as the uh, so long as Hamas can be can have rockets, then the prospect of changing anything in Gaza will be very limited. And any claim, any calm rather is basically a short term calm, Ross said, adding that um, as long as Hamas poses uh, missiles, uh, they will fire them into Israel. The latest example just concluded. Well, Pennsylvania voters have taken the lead in reining in emergency powers of heavy-handed governors. According to the AP, Pennsylvania voters became the first in the nation to impose restrictions on a governor's ability under an emergency disaster declaration, approving constitutional amendments sped to a statewide referendum by Republican lawmakers angry over how Democratic Governor Tom Wolfe handled the pandemic response. Wall Street Journal's editorial writes Americans nationwide are tired of endless pandemic diktats. And in Pennsylvania on Tuesday, they showed it with the resounding electoral rebuke of Democratic Governor Tom Wolf's emergency powers. Washington Examiner writes that the amendments are sure to be challenged in court. All eyes turn toward the possibility of legal challenges that could prevent the two approved constitutional amendments from becoming reality. Governor Wolf, for his part, doesn't seem to be getting the message. Wolf assigned a renewal of the state's disaster order related to the coronavirus pandemic. The governor announced the renewal Thursday afternoon, just two days after voters approved two measures to curb his powers in disasters. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, back in a moment.
0: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, We're working our way through some of the day's headlines. And in the second half of this hour, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. James Blend will join me for that. In the second hour of today's program, The Christian Outlook, featuring Eric Metaxas, Os Guinness, Dr. Albert Moeller, and others. So I hope you'll stick around for that second hour. Well, President Biden says yes to a Russian pipeline, but no to the Keystone XL pipeline benefiting the United States. Well, NBC News reports the Biden administration has decided to waive sanctions against the company overseeing the construction of Russia's Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline to Germany, despite bipartisan opposition in Congress and appeals from Eastern European governments. Town Hall writes Biden signed an executive order halting the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline within hours of being sworn in as president on the 20th of January. In doing so, he killed thousands of high paying union jobs. Curtis Houck writes on Twitter, Peter Ducey battles Jen Psaki over the Biden administration, refusing to sanction Russians over the Nord Stream 2 and having done nothing to stop the pipeline's completion. While the Biden administration is flying illegal immigrants to states in the night, Katie Pavlich in townhall.com reports as the illegal immigration crisis on the U.S. southern border with Mexico continues, the Biden administration is flying unaccompanied minors and family units to cities around the country in the middle of the night. W.R.C.B. says this. U.S. Senator Bill Haggerty said he was uh, not aware of the flights into Chattanooga, but said it's time for President Biden to be transparent about the, with Tennesseans rather, and the American people regarding where the hundreds of thousands of migrants being resettled in the United States are being sent because they deserve to know. Senator Marsha Blackburn says it's absolutely unacceptable if the Biden administration is facilitating a mass migration under cover of darkness without any input or oversight from Tennesseans and the affected communities. CNN's Chris Cuomo coached his brother on sexual harassment allegations. The New York Post writes that journalists across the nation slammed CNN anchor Chris Cuomo for advising his brother, Governor Andrew Cuomo, on how to handle sexual harassment allegations against him. And even the network's own reporters are and um, bothered by the conduct. Again, the New York Post. From the Washington Post, Cuomo, one of the network's top stars, joined a series of conference calls that included the Democratic governor, his top aide, his communications team, lawyers, and a number of outside advisors, according to people familiar with the – uh conversations uh, who spoke on condition of anonymity to describe the private sessions from spencer brown to be clear the democratic governor and his staff in the midst of multiple scandals were being advised on how to navigate the crisis from an anchor for the network that paints itself as the world's most trusted name in news Oliver Darcy on Twitter points out that multiple CNN staffers told me they were bothered by Cuomo's conduct and the violation of traditional journalistic standards. Sam Stein also on Twitter writes that the Chris Cuomo story is a story of power. Any junior level staffer who moonlighted as a political advisor would see their job suspended or gone. Governor Kemp is placing Georgia on a growing list of states pushing back against critical race theory. Atlanta Journal-Constitution writes, The Republican urged the State Board of Education to take immediate steps to ensure that critical race theory and its uh, dangerous ideology do not take root in our state standards and curriculum. A look at the other states that have moved in similar direction. Well, earlier this month, Idaho Governor Brad Little became the first Republican governor to sign into law a bill that restricts educators from teaching a concept called critical race theory. And more could follow. Nearly a dozen states have introduced similar Republican-backed bills that would direct what students can and cannot be taught about the role of slavery in American history and the ongoing effects of racism in the U.S. today. But critics say the legislation isn't aimed at what children are learning in the classroom. It's a welcome backlash, according to the National Review. Well, GOP senators are looking to guard the military from critical race theory and other Marxist ideas. Senator Jim Inhofe is among those seeking to make sure the military budget is not just another political tool. Washington Examiner writes that Republicans expressed alarm following examples of rank and file military service members being scrutinized for holding political views that differed from the Biden administration. The Biden administration already has the wheel uh, turning. The Secretary of the Navy's uh, memo announcing a review. It is the duty of the Navy to continue making meaningful steps that promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. A Maryland school district spent 454 thousand dollars of taxpayer money to fund an anti-racist audit from the national review maryland's largest school district spent over 454 thousand dollars for an anti-racist system audit according to documents obtained by judicial watch while the district's middle school students were taught that the phrase make america great again was an example of covert white supremacy that ranks just below lynching hate crimes the n-word and racial slurs you can read more in the national Review. A Pakistani member of parliament called for nuking the state of Israel. The argument um, of uh, Maulani Chitali, do we uh, make atomic bombs to show them in a museum? We don't need missiles, atomic bombs or a huge army if we can't uh, if they can't be used to liberate Palestine, end quote. Jews are being attacked uh, not only in New York City, but around the world and in Los Angeles. Well, Israel announced unconditional ceasefire with Hamas, ending the Gaza combat and orchestrated by Egypt. President Biden tried to claim credit for the Egypt-brokered ceasefire, and the U.S. is seeing a wave of textbook anti-Semitism. In government and politics, the House very narrowly passed a $1.9 billion funding bill to bolster capital security, or or security theater, some suggest. President Biden, who paradoxically supports the Green New Deal economic boondoggle, signed an executive order directing studies of climate-related financial risks. And the House GOP re-election arm broke their monthly fundraising record. One wonders why. DHS closes two migrant detention centers run by ICE amid allegations of abuse and misconduct. And ICE is targeting 75% or rather targets 75% fewer criminal legal Im- uh, immigrants under Biden's rules. So we're not talking about immigrants in general, but criminal, uh, 75% fewer. Um, Annals of Social Justice Caliphate. UNC is, uh, reverses its uh, tenure offer to the author of the 1619 Project, And Lego reveals their first LGBTQ-themed set. Five Oregon counties are voting in favor of seceding to join Idaho. And Chris Cuomo has apologized for advising his brother, Andrew Cuomo, on his response to sexual harassment allegations in his professional capacity. And consumer prices outpace wage growth as inflation surges. Well, on this day in history, 1881, the American Red Cross is founded by Clara Barton. 1932, Amelia Earhart, she becomes the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean as she lands in Northern Ireland about 15 hours after leaving Newfoundland. 2018, on this day in history, Netflix announces a multi-year deal with former President Barack Obama and former First Lady Michelle Obama. Well, after almost um, 30 years, Ayanna Williams has finally cut her fingernails. No, that's not headline news, but we're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news when we take a break here in just a few moments. I also want to remind you that in the second hour of today's program, we're going to uh, share the Christian outlook this week. Eric Metaxas and Oz Guinness, uh, Guinness, rather, they talk about the pandemic, the violent unrest we have witnessed, protests and the election cycle that revealed tensions in our nation. And they're going to ask questions about the uh, effort to remove God and upend the American experiment. We'll also hear from Dr. Albert Moeller. He'll talk about the U.S. Supreme Court. They've agreed, as you probably know, to take up a case that could redefine Roe v. Wade, although it's not likely. We'll see what happens. That session begins in October. We'll also hear from Don Crow and Cliff May of the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. They're going to talk about the changes here in the U.S., a nation that used to be Israel's most dependable ally. That increasingly is less the case, and uh, they'll talk more about that. That is the Christian Outlook in the second hour of today's program. also want to give you a glimpse of what's coming up next week. We'll talk with Mark Moore. He's the author of Core 52 Student Edition, a 15-minute daily guide to build your Bible IQ in a year. And on Tuesday, we'll talk with Craig Prather. He's the author of Transformed by the Spirit. And then on Wednesday and Thursday, we'll be joined by our friends from Food for the Poor. There's an urgent need. We'll tell you all about that Wednesday and Thursday of next week. So I hope you'll plan uh, to be with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, a look at the lighter side of the news with James Blend.
0: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. For the next couple of segments, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. And I say we because James Blend has joined me to do just that. Welcome, James Blend.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I am humbled. I mean, it's it's not, as,
2: not as if you were any place other than right there, in, uh, pretty much producing and engineering the show, but just wanted to say welcome.
1: Well, thank you. It feels good to finally be a part of things
2: <laughs> well let's jump right in um after almost 30 years now think about that 30 years you're barely 30 yourself <laughs> um ayana williams has finally cut her fingernails after 30 years she's from houston texas uh she snagged the woman's world record for the longest fingernails in 2017 when her fingernails were 18 feet 10.9 inches before she got them cut over the weekend, she broke her uh, previous record with her nails measuring a total of 24 feet, 7 inches. Well the fingernails on her right hand measures 3.0, three rather, 338.5 centimeters long, while the fingernails on her left hand 395.5 centimeters long, according to a press release provided uh, for the record. Well, the nails will be put on display at Ripley's Believe It or Not, I'm not sure I'd want to see that. Uh, The museum in Orlando, Florida, according to the uh, press release provided, the display is set for its debut today. It's going to be awesome, William says. It's going to be like a a wax of myself, even though it's just my nails. I can't wait to see that for real. I'm going to be grinning from ear to ear. Just really think about it. It's amazing. Now, I probably would have described it a bit differently. Amazing wasn't the word that first came to mind to see the... um, 24-foot nails uh, on display in the Guinness Museum. Your thoughts, James? Are you going to take a family trip to see these?
1: No, I think I'm going to file that under something I'm not going to go to.
2: Ha, ha, ha. She says that she had to be very careful with her movements before having her nails cut. Uh, So usually in my mind, I'm already preparing for the next step. Uh, that I have to do to make sure that I don't hurt myself with my nails or break them. I'm excited about cutting my nails because I'm looking forward to a new beginning. And I suppose that would include being able to do, you know, just everything Uh, normal. Painting her nails was also a huge task before she got them cut. According to the local media, it took several days and three to four bottles of nail polish. In 2017, when she uh, was first named the woman with the longest fingernails, it took two bottles of nail polish and 20 hours. Uh, I've been growing my nails for a few decades now, she said. Uh, I'm so, so ready for a new life. I know I'm going to miss them, but it's just um, about that time. It's time for them to go. Well, she got her fingernails cut at a uh, dermatology uh, office rather than just going to a nail salon. Uh, they performed the procedure using an electronic rotary tool. According to a news release, she immediately felt relief in her thumb and knuckles After her nails were cut, with or without my nails, I will still be the queen, she says. My nails don't make me, I make my nails. She told the local media that she does plan on growing out her nails again, just not quite as long as her record. Although she already held the current women's record for the world's longest fingernails, the record holder for the women with the world's longest fingernails ever is still Lee Redmond, whose fingernails reached 28 feet, 4.5 inches back in 2008. Uh, Redmond lost her extremely long nails in two thousand and nine after a car accident in Spain. Wow, I can barely take it when my nails are have just barely grown longer than is practicable but um I, I that think seems hard you know, imagine
1: I, I should have contacted the Guinness people because I think uh you know i i mean guys definitely have a different set of rules, but during the pandemic you know you get uh sometimes you forget some of the basics and there are a couple of times I forgot to cut my nails for a little longer. <laughs> and I think I may have set the record, you know, half a centimeter.
2: Yeah, you may have. We need to check into that. Three
1: quarters of a centimeter, somewhere in there.
2: Well, pizza toppings like pineapple can cause controversy, but most people can probably agree they don't want dirt on their pizza pie. Well, a Detroit man's dinner was spoiled when the door dash driver who was delivering his pizza dropped it out of the box and onto the home's front porch. The whole incident was caught on video by the doorbell camera. Rodney King Jr., no relation, uh, in Detroit, said that he and his wife had ordered the pizza one day when neither of them felt like cooking. They watched uh, from their doorbell camera as the delivery driver arrived. When the guy was walking up to our porch, we saw that he was holding the pizza vertically. So from there, I knew for a fact that the pizza was outside of the box. And then the pizza fell on the ground from the vertical box. Well, still, King thought the driver might to what had happened, but he was wrong. As soon as I saw the pizza hit the floor, my heart sank just a little. I was hungry, but I was really hoping that he would do the right thing. Well, rather than admitting the mistake, the delivery driver shoved the dirtied pizza back into the box, placed it back down on the porch as if nothing had happened. So afterward, the um, person who ordered the pizza looked at it, He went and started to scoop it back into the box and make it look as pretty as he could, picked up all the crumbs and everything, and then walked off. Instead of enjoying his uh, hot meal, Ken had to file a complaint with DoorDash. He said the company refunded the money. A spokesperson said that the driver's behavior was inappropriate and unacceptable and that he had immediately been deactivated when they found out what happened. Now, this has been my longstanding fear Between the time the food is picked up from the establishment you're ordering from and it arrives at your home, what might happen? Now, my guess is 99.57% of drivers are honest, hardworking people, but it's just that 1-2%, I know the numbers don't add up, uh, that I worry about. Uh, The spokesperson for uh, DoorDash said we sincerely regret that this incident fell short of the experience we strive to provide every day. As for King, he said the experience wouldn't stop him from using the delivery service the next time he decided for pizza. It wasn't their fault. This isn't the only time a DoorDash driver, my my guess is others as well, has delivered less than expected service. In 2019, a Pennsylvania man said his DoorDash driver ate some of his uh, food before dropping it off. Um, Again, doesn't happen often, I'm guessing, but. Once is probably too much. So are you ordering online? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We
1: use, we use the various services. Uh, and we typically do not have a problem. The only problems we've had are a couple of times uh, we've had uh, delivery people who have seemingly absconded with our food. Uh, never they never Yeah. They pick it up and all of a sudden the order is canceled halfway between the restaurant and our house. <laughs> In which case the we automatically get refunded, um I reorder the food and then call to complain, yeah, and usually wind up with a credit on top of the on top of the uh the refund so and and summarily, you know, I'm sure that they have a process for taking care of people who do that, yes, yeah.
2: who are responsible yeah. well, I have to admit during the uh the quarantine, I have called and had uh, food delivered. I don't ever have a drink delivered just because you know I don't want someone. Having some of it and replacing it with something else, um, not that I'm all that skeptical, although I probably am skeptical, um, but I haven't had a problem up to this point. So Dan Rice and I have have done fairly well as far well, as we one know. One
1: of the one of the exceptions that I've done is our local. Um Chicken place of uh, fast food chicken place that we love so much does some deliveries themselves in addition to the services and I totally trust them to deliver their own stuff to me so I'll I'll get my sweet tea which may give away the restaurant but I will always get my sweet tea with my chicken so. They, you know, knowing it's being delivered by them, I have 100% confidence.
2: You know, I, I actually would too, and I think I know who you're referring to. Well, 53 years after he lost it in Antarctica, Paul Grisham finally has his wallet back. Antarctica. He's 91. He lives in San Diego, California. He arrived in Antarctica in October of 1967 as a Navy meteorologist. At some point during his 13-month assignment, he lost his wallet and eventually forgot about it until last week. It was just Blown away, he says, uh, speaking to the San Diego Union-Tribune after he received the wallet by mail on Saturday. There was a long series of people involved in tracking me down and um, ran me to ground, as he put it. According to the newspaper, Grisham's wallet held plenty of mementos from his time there in Antarctica, which he called the ICE, as well as his Navy ID and driver's license. Well, some of those uh, mementos include a pocket reference card, on uh, what to do during atomic, biological, and chemical attacks, a beer ration punch card, a tax withholding statement, and receipts for money orders sent to his wife. His wallet and another lost billfold were found in 2014 uh, when a building in um, McMurdo Station on Antarctica's Ross Island was being demolished. So better late than never, it would appear. Hey, we need to take a quick break, but we'll return, me and James, in just a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show.
0: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. And on this Friday, in this and the previous segment, we're taking a look at the lighter side of the news. I'm joined by producer James Blend, and we're winding our way through. Second hour, The Christian Outlook. You'll hear from Eric Metaxas, Osp Guinness, Dr. Albert Moeller, Don Crow, and others. So I hope you'll stick around for that. Well, a teen in the U.K. who compulsively... Ate her own hair, ended up developing a massive hairball in her stomach that tore a hole through her stomach wall, according to a new report. The oval shaped hairball was 19 inches long and completely filled her stomach, according to the report. It was published back in February. The 17 year old initially went to the hospital after she fainted twice, bruising her face and scalp during the falls. she and others had no idea what was responsible for her fainting spells. Doctors wanted to rule out a head injury, but during the exam, they also noticed a mass in the girl's upper abdomen. Well, the teen said she had experienced intermittent abdominal pain for the past five months, which had worsened over the last two weeks prior to her hospital visit. She also had a history of two mental health disorders. Um, A a computed uh, tomography scan revealed a grossly distended stomach with a large mass inside and a tear in the stomach wall, according to uh, the Queen's Medical Center in Nottingham in England. While well, the teen was diagnosed with Rapunzel syndrome, in which a hairball uh, in the stomach, known medically as a trichobezor, or something sounding very similar to that, uh, extends into the intestine. She underwent surgery. Doctors removed the hairball, which was so large it formed a, a, a cast of the entire stomach, um, and she is expected to fully... Recover! Wow, that's hard to even imagine, but I know um, that's not altogether unheard of, although very uncommon.
1: It, yeah, it, even though, obviously, for reasons I, I can't totally identify with it, I, I, it just sounds painful.
2: Yeah, it certainly does. Ugh. Well, a closed-down Macy's department store has been given new life as a high school in Vermont. Burlington High School reopened for in-person learning inside the unconventional venue in March, several months after the school's usual facility at 52 Institute Road were shuttered in the fall of 2020 after PCB contamination was detected by the Department of Environmental Conservation. Well, now students who have opted into the school's hybrid learning program are able to get in-person instruction a few days per week in a space that's clean and interesting to look at. Interim Principal Lauren McBride says classrooms feature much of the old Macy's amenities and decor, including fitting room signage, cashier, and customer service counters, and retired adverts from Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren, and Levi's. It took $3.5 million to convert the space into a functional school, according to McBride, not to mention moving into the building was a quicker transition and a more cost-effective option than renting trailers. It's a 150,000 square foot space. It was renovated in 10 weeks and bridges the gap between the a department store, uh, department store rather, and high school. Library books are kept on shelves that used to hold fine china, while a Michael Kors section has been turned into a staging area for distributing meals, which are cooked off site and delivered to Burlington High School. Well, that's got to be kind of a interesting environment for learning, if not a distracting environment. Uh, for the same
1: yeah i I, you know i i i need things i'm that type of person especially with the level of add that i have that
2: i need things to be
1: as they're supposed to be for the environment that they are uh like i have a very and the wonderful people do this so it's not a criticism for example i cannot go to church in a school uh, because I uh-huh. look around and it makes me think of school, and I start to actually stress out, even though I'm well beyond graduation age um so yeah anything I think anything that would distract me from school and that's basically everything um would have been a problem for me.
2: Wow, well, I hope you are never in a situation where. You can't meet in a church. We have to meet outside and in somebody's living room in a basement in the backyard. In the
1: Oh, I small group. I can tell you right now I'm the first person that's checking out what books you have on the shelf. Sorry. That's just, <laughs> well, there you go. That's my ADD for you.
2: <laughs> well, where there's smoke, there might not always be fire, but rather some fiery hot buffalo wings. Well, let me explain. Firefighters reporting uh, to a call about a fire at a restaurant on Saturday night discovered that the smoke – uh, reported by a by wasn't the result of a fire, but rather 10,000 chicken wings the eatery staff was preparing for Super Bowl orders the next day. Well, workers at Ronnie's Pizza in Clemens, North Carolina in Greensboro uh, said that a, a motorist called the fire department after seeing a plume of smoke coming from the restaurant back in February. In a Facebook post, the Louisville Fire Department later clarified that no, the restaurant wasn't actually on fire. While it looked bad when you got there, turns out their hardworking staff were just preparing roughly 10,000 chicken wings for Super Bowl Sunday. We're very fortunate that this was the outcome, the fire department added. Uh, everyone is safe, and they enjoyed the game. Um, the restaurant, which bills itself as the home of the Buffalo Wing, uh, thanked the firefighters who came out. They made sure it all was well. We fed them and got a few laughs and a great picture, the restaurant wrote on social media. While 10,000 wings may sound like a lot, Ronnie's wasn't the only restaurant almost exclusively preparing chicken wings ahead of this year's Super Bowl. Before the game, the National Chicken Council predicted that Americans would eat a record 1.42 billion chicken wings on billion. February 7th. 1.42 billion. Chicken wings. I don't know if you've noticed, but there has been off and on a chicken wing shortage. I've gone to buy them in the past because that's my favorite part of a chicken is the wing. And, you know, what's a chicken without the wings? And I have not been able to find them um, when I've looked for them. So if you can get a good chicken wing, go for it.
1: Well, I mean, you asked the question, what's a what's chicken without a wing? Based on their flight, of capabilities, basically the same thing, isn't it? <laughs>
2: yeah, that's good. good point. Very good point. Well, Madison Kohout is 19. She told Insider.com that she was moving from Oklahoma to Arkansas, and she was searching for a two-bedroom apartment online. Well, after finding what sounded great, a super spacious apartment that was listed at $350 a month, she said she signed the lease without looking at it uh, in person and moved in days later. While she found it odd, her neighbors were all, I don't know, over 65 years of age. It didn't click until a week after she uh, moved in when she noticed the retirement home sign outside her building. Apparently, she's not very attentive. The first week of moving in was crazy, she says. I was busy with finding a job and setting up my apartment. I didn't even notice. I thought it was a bit weird that all my neighbors were significantly older than I am. Uh, She joked about the blunder uh, in a viral TikTok video posted in April that showed her laughing in front of the senior citizen apartment sign with the caption, me getting ready to move to an apartment out of state. That I've never seen in person, and I realize I just moved myself into a retirement home. Hey, for three hundred and fifty dollars a month, I'd move myself into a retirement home. Well, the video was uh, has garnered three point four million views, leading uh, her to uh, share more insights into what life is like as the youngest resident in her retirement home. One video of her even uh, joked that her story could form the plot of a sitcom. Based on her TikTok observations, her new living situation has largely been positive with her noting in one video that her home is always super quiet because her neighbors are always asleep by the time she gets home. $350 a month? I may be looking into that myself.
1: It certainly is an interesting thing to have happen, I suppose. I, I just don't understand how you get that far in the process and not realize <laughs> where, There was somebody not realize it. It it would seem that there's somebody rubber stamped something they shouldn't have along the way because you think that wouldn't happen. Someone,
2: Someone along the way would have caught it, although it may not be exclusive to seniors. It's intended for that purpose. So who knows? Well, residents of a San Francisco Bay Area city flocked to an abandoned gas station to get a whiff of a corpse flower. Yes, we bring it up every year or whatever the... Interval when it blooms uh, comes up, so-called because of the stench it omits when it blooms. After its owners decided to share the rare plant with its neighbors, uh, Solomon Leva, a nursery owner in Alameda, has uh, who deals with exceptionally rare plants, had been posting on social media about the uh, um, amorphous. Palias titanum when he saw a lot of interest in the giant blooming flower he decided to uh, wheel it monday to an abandoned building where a line of people stretched down the block for the most of the day uh to actually enjoy it he grabbed a wagon went down to his greenhouse brought it on display now would you go any distance to enjoy the fragrance of the corpse flower for me it would be no for you james
1: they, that that uh, i believe in the words of the uh yeah, the, the great Randy Jackson from American Idol, that'd be a no for me, dog.
2: <laughs> that would be for me, too. Hey, we are out of time. We've got news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour. But when we return, we'll share the Christian outlook with Eric Metaxas, Os Guinness, Dr. Albert Moeller, Don Crow, and others. So stick with us. News and traffic up next.
0: Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast.